And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. I started, you know, I started as a guitarist playing in bands and um, grew up in the Bay Area, so it's Northern California Bay Area. And uh, was in a group called Bourgeois Tag. That was my first foray into the professional business of music. After the, that group disbanded, I started working with Todd Rundgren and did some records with him. Started working with Frank Black, Jellyfish, Shakira. Some of the people I've toured with have uh, included Beck, Sting. One thing led to another and I started working in film. Zero Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 185. 185. <laughs> and uh, uh, we have a guest today that is is someone that, believe it or not, I met this guy back in 80, 1987. Wow. I was working at a Tower Records in Campbell, California, and he came in. And I remember we had talked a little bit about music and uh, that he had been playing in bands in the area. And then he joined this band, Bourgeois Tag, and it exploded. Boom, yeah. Years later, I find out that he's been doing film scores, and I thought, how perfect for yeah. us. Please uh, welcome uh, musician and film scorer. Is that a word, scorer? Scorer, scorer. sure. Lyle Workman. Yay. Yay! Hey, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, I don't know thanks if you remember for, all of that. For, but uh, having me. I don't know if you remember all of those days back at the great, mighty Tower Records on... Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember, uh, I mean, that was where I, that's where I lived in that area for, I was born and raised in San Jose, and I didn't live, I didn't move to, I I joined that band, Bourgeois Tag, and moved to Sacramento. I was in that band for five years, and the last two years, I lived in Sacramento. Mm. So basically up until the time I was about, oh, 20... Six or so, I lived in I lived in uh, San Jose and Saratoga for a while. Mm-hmm. But Tower Records, that was that's where you went. That's where you got all your music and yeah. I, I worked there for like ten years, and it was literally the best decade of my life. I I discovered. Do you remember Do you remember Babs? Yeah, Babs Farney. She's on um, Facebook. I, I run yeah. into, there's a whole uh, Facebook group for Tower Records Campbell where there's all these really old pictures of like Robert Fripp in stores and yeah it's bananas yep yeah uh, so yeah I play, used to go there and try to flirt with her but I was too scared uh, <laughs> that was awesome it was awesome yeah. um, I'm curious at the time uh, were, were you I'm going to throw some names at you were you involved at all with Larry Tag and Uncle Rainbow? No, my, uh, my, well, I used to see them play all the time at, uh, either the Bodega or Smoky Mountain, <laughs> what it was called, uh, at the time in downtown Campbell. And I was in a band called Chronics. And, you know, back in those days, you would just walk across the street as he was playing at the, uh-huh. other, at the venue, the other venue. And, uh, so you got to see a lot of bands and, uh, and so they saw me play with my band and then, 
they had disbanded and Brent Bourgeois and Larry Tag from Uncle Rainbow started Bourgeois Tag and they asked me to be involved. I just do in them doing the research for this, I found Larry Tag has two books he's a Civil War historian now. That's exactly right. He's a teacher. Well he just retired. That's but he was crazy. a uh, English teacher. And yeah. uh yeah, he's he's you know, he's always been into uh into Two wars. He had Brent Bourgeois. Both they had two loves. They had uh, besides music, it was baseball and uh, war. For some reason, some wow. of the songs that they wrote even had uh, that as the subject. But uh, that's you know, crazy. Very smart, intelligent guys, yeah. as well as being his, fantastic musicians. To Lanley, I'm saying. His brother went on to be Eric, his name Eric Tag, Eric Tag yeah. sang yeah. on Lee Rittenauer's record Rit. Yeah, yeah good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but tell me about working with uh, Rundgren for the for the Bourgeois Tag record. Yeah, well, we did two. We were signed by Island Records, and our second record was produced by Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. I uh, love I, the first record. I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying this because he's here. Uh, but I still listen to that thing. The first Bourgeois Tag record? Yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks. That's a great record. It's he came st- down to L.A. to record it and worked with a producer named David Holman. Uh, and uh, I think it was a co-production between um, Brett and Larry and David. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was great coming down to L.A. for the first time as a band and staying at the faith, the famous Oakwood apartments, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and all of that. Yeah. Years. That was, uh, quite some time ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm interested because I, I, one of the things I also read was that for the video of, I don't mind at all directed by David Fincher, directed yeah. by David Fincher, a young David Fincher. Yeah. Uh, I recall that there was some sort of new technology that was used for the making of that video, something like $80,000 of technology that they gave it, kind of as, I don't know if it was a beta or something, or just a testing of it, but we got to use it uh, to our, you know, we got to use a very expensive state-of-the-art um, effects to uh, with our rec- that particular video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did, did you have any idea, was he, was he just another video director wandering through. No, I didn't know anything about him other than the fact that he'd done, I think he did one for Sting and one for Madonna, so he was just a hot, young uh, um, film director. I think at the time he was only maybe in his mid, maybe not even his mid-20s yet, maybe 22 or 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah, curious. Back time now. Growing up, were you like a film fan? Uh, well, yes, but not in relation to music. You know, I, I was just—I just loved going to movies. In fact, uh, Larry Tag and I—that's one of our one of the things we t- like to talk about with movies. Is have you seen that movie? Or you know, we were just really big into movies. Um, I mean, I, I always kind of—you know—I noticed music, obviously, being a musician. Um, but it, it didn't really kick in until later, in terms of the, the, the thought of making. Making music for pictures really was really a bit of a uh, a, a sidestep, uh, a backdoor kind of um, excursion, if I, you will. I've always wondered about that when when you have people um, who are are in bands and rock bands or jazz bands or you know whatever band that they're in, 
and they make this transition to um, to making music for movies, and right, I, and and it always it, it it doesn't seem like a natural progression. It's like they, it seems like there's something happens there. In your case, what happened to make you think about doing that? It was a lot of small steps. Um, a lot of small steps. You know, I, I guess I could say initially, just on a technical level, it's, it's just wanting to write music and wanting to have a little studio. Uh, and in that quest to get better at it, you, you get better gear, you, you, you learn from engineers, you learn, you, you want to, uh, you know, I was writing adventurous music, sort of cinematic, instrumental music, um, kind of early on. And I always was a kid that messed around with tape recorders, you know, mm, even sure. when I was a pre-teenager even. Um, and, you know, so I'm learning the technology. I'm learning how to use a MIDI sequencer and, and uh, you know, being a big fan of the Beatles and bands like Electric Light Orchestra and Progressive Rock. You know, there's 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 elements, and also you know, jazz fusion and all that. I was really into all that stuff when I was, you know, 16, 15 years old. And there's there's that element of jazz and classical and just a more expanded musical vocabulary. And that was the type of stuff I liked to write at the time. If I wasn't you know, working, on, you know, with Bushwa Tag on on pop music, mm -hmm. so to say. Right. Your solo records, you said you said adventurous music, and I would I would agree with that. They're they're uh, they're not only pleasing to the ear, but they're they're fun little puzzles for the mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's it's. I was really uh, inspired by the stuff that inspired me, um, and I like the the format of not having not having any limitations. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I found early on that I liked the the uh, the assignment the assignment, so to speak, of just let me see what happens when I just pick up my guitar and, and put my hands on the keyboard. Let's, look, I just want to see what happens, and I want to let stuff just flow without sort of preconceiving, oh, I've got to make this kind of record, it's got to have these, uh, this instrumentation or this, uh, this style. And so I've, I've made basically three records with that concept, and that's why they, they sort of vary widely. It's, it's but, funny. You know, that's, that's sort of step one at getting to write cinematic music, uh, or writing music that would eventually be, uh, you know, uh, that would help me right to the visual medium. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the next step would be, uh, I, when I moved to Los Angeles, the band broke up uh, in 19, or 1990, or 89 actually, and then I moved, I got married and moved to, to Marin County, and Todd Rundgren had hired our band to be his backup band for one of his records, and... Uh, as we, were, I mean, literally while we were recording one, the first of the two records I ended up do, we ended up doing with Todd. Mm -hmm. The first during the first one, our band broke up, and uh, I knew it was time for me to move out of Sacramento and move to Marin County, and that began two years of working working with Todd, uh, 
as you know, his, as a guitar player in his band and playing on uh, the two records that we did. How is how is that experience working with Todd? I would think it would be demanding. Um, you not know, in a bad I, way. Not in a bad way. It wasn't. It wasn't. I think it really wasn't demanding because by that time I I I. What's the right word for this? I want to say I've amassed enough musicianship mm, yeah. <laughs> to be able to do it. But he really, uh, you know, unless there was specific parts uh, which the keyboard player pretty much had to had to adhere to, a lot of the guitar stuff was just of my making up, you know, of, of my doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a little bit more leeway for my my particular creative input to his music, you know, only in the parts, right? Um, but you know, more importantly, getting inside his music. When you learn how to play someone's music, you get inside. You get a a, a bird's eye view, uh, up close version um, of how of how they put things together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that in that sense, it was wildly educational because his musicianship is so deep. Yeah, I think uh, it's so deeply profound. And you know, I've just been a big fan for for a long, long time. Yeah. So, I was I was equally, if not more, thrilled to be part of his band than it was for my own group or the band that I was in to get their <clears throat> own record deal. <laughs> yeah, I think Utopia is one of those bands that is so undersung, like them and Roxy Music, and yeah, you know, they they just don't get the love they they deserve. Um, I'm interested. You had mentioned prog rock. What kind of prog rock were you listening to? Is it still like King Crimson and that kind of thing, or? Yeah, mostly mostly Genesis and Yes. I would say were the big two in that order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm you know I'm, I'm a guitar player, but I I was I, Genesis was was more affected me more mm-hmm. than Yes did, even though yeah. there's you know the guitar playing. I mean, Steve Hack is a he's amazing no slouch. Yeah, well, his his new stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. But there's something about the music, the musical content of it just spoke to me a little more, but, but that, that, I was still a huge Yes fan mm-hmm. and saw them many times back in the day. Yeah. You know, this so I was basically filling my head with that kind of stuff, you know, and, and, and if, you're, if you're loving it and you're picking up your guitar and you're trying to play some of it, you're, you know, it, it's, it's, you're, you're widening your, your own harmonic vocabulary. Uh, and of course, when you when you listen to like for for example, listen to John McLaughlin, and I wanted to know about where he got his stuff, and so well, I had to uh-huh. check out Miles Davis, and then yeah. you go back, and then you know, being a big blues fan, a Johnny Winter fan, like, well, what what was he all about? What was he liking? And then so you go back to Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf and Robert Johnson, and so you you're just going backwards. Mm-hmm. You start with the music of the day, and then you go backwards to make it tick. And so I yeah. I was giving myself a pretty wide range of uh, of education and listening Dude. which would help me yeah. in what I do now. Well, two thoughts on that. Uh, Number one, I'll say fucking Johnny Winter. That, that's one thing. Right, Number right. two, prog rock with the idea that it's not trapped in a structure of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus kind of a thing yeah. where you're you're actually going someplace and telling a story. I would think oh. inherently, look at the adaptation of a band like Goblin to horror film, like Right, uh, superior. Well, and 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 just if you're if you're a kid or a young person emulating um, prog rock, you know if that's if that's what you're trying to play, 
how much easier is it going to be whenever you get in that ACD cover band? <coughs> yeah. to you know what I mean? You do the hard, hard, you do the hard stuff first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Well, in that case, it really it's 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 more about the sonic and the feel, the sonics with the feel of it. Mm -hmm. You know, on a harmonic level, certainly it's a hell of a lot easier, but there's a whole lot. You know, it's just one of those things that when you're when you be, want to become a really good musician, you go. I mean, I even went through a period myself of like. Henrik sucks. Yeah, right. Everybody you know, does. I, was, I, was, I, know, I still live there. Old and I was listening to John McLaughlin yeah. in Monfish New Orchestra. You know, it took me a while to kind of come back around. And I mean, now I forget about him. He's the greatest rock guitar player that's ever lived and probably ever will live. And uh, it's just, you, you start to forget about the things like the feel and the tone and all that stuff when yeah. you're just listening for uh, uh, complexity of notes and and frequency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the notes between the notes that are just as important. Yeah, that's but you start to learn about all that stuff about space and, yeah. and all the things you you learn about being more mature as a mu mature musician. I thought it was interesting this morning. Um I work in a weed store and uh I played all three of your solo records while I was Wait, working. A weed store? Yeah. A place where they sell. A place where I sell marijuana, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I uh um, I played all three of the records uh, while wow. I worked today, and it was very interesting to watch people come in and the wide variety of folks <laughs> that loved it. They were they several people asked about what it was. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, to see that like old people, young people, hip people, unhip people all responding to the music was really good. And wow, nice. that's really great to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, they were all high, but you know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious. I noticed on your your sort of my research here as a guitar player. Tell me about working on Guitar Hero. Um, one of the bands that used to play with Bourgeois Tag, they would open for us in Sacramento. It was a band called Leo Swift. And one of the keyboard players in that band, you know, years after, started a company called Wave Group Sound, and they provided content for games like Karaoke Revolution mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Guitar Hero and uh, Rock Band. I think Rock Band was one of them. This is when uh, you they 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 were awarded the license to make copies, but this is well before they started basically selling. The bastards, mm -hmm. or licensing their masters. So, so the the back then we would make uh, sound likes, mm -hmm. exact sound likes, and so uh, my connection with Will Littlejohn and, and Leslie Barton, they they uh, at West at uh, Breakwood Sound, they brought me on board. But that's gonna uh, be fun, right? You know, you're copping this like some Van Halen licks, or you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. That's it was fun. Cool. I'd never done that before. I never tried to play a Van Halen solo. Yeah. Um, uh, as much as I, 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 I thought he was, you know, I think he. I mean, he's great. He's amazing. I've always yeah. thought that. But I never, I was never into copying his style. Right, right, right. I'm, which begs the question. I'm interested in about guitar players. Like, who, who's in the Lyle Workman pantheon? Like, who can do no wrong? Hmm. You mentioned Hendrix. Oh, yeah, Hendrix. Yeah. Hendrix, John McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Christian, Django Reinhardt. I can hear the Django. We were, we were going to get. We're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, going to say know, that I'm, and some Stephen Grappelli. King, BB King. Yeah. 
Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Sun House, Hauling, you know, there's a, there's a big list. Yeah. And the yeah. list gets bigger as I get older, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just hear somebody do something that's so that's so uniquely them. It's it's really it's Adrian Ballou. I mean, it pulls mm-hmm. all, you know, I can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Morris. Yeah, absolutely. For me, a big name is Holdsworth. Oh, of course. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Oh yeah. Now some the hit the solo on In the Dead of Night hurts me physically. Oh sure. Because it's so good. Yeah, I still remember the first time I heard I heard Alan play on a record. It was a Sean Luponti record in Yeah. Yeah. Something with that solo, and you know, towards the end of side two, I think it is, or maybe the same, no, sorry, the end of side one. And he, you know, they're trading fours, and he, he goes into it. He launches into his his bit, and I remember looking at. I was with a, a good friend, a drummer friend of mine, and like, what just happened? I think that's guitar, but I'm not sure. <laughs> It's so yeah. otherworldly, right? It really was when you when you hear it for the first time. You just you're you're just astounded. Yeah, I saw him at Keystone Palo Alto. They were doing yeah. like a, like a three or four chord vamp while everyone was sort of doing their noodling kind of thing. And I watched him systematically play it in every position up the neck, <laughs> just to amuse himself. You know, and it was like, yeah, yeah that's. That's the shit right there. Yeah, something yeah I else. saw him a bunch of times. Yeah, something else. Yeah, what there's, you know, can you say something? He's definitely in the Mount Rushmore of guitar <laughs> players. Yeah. I'm wondering, were you aware at, at growing up of things like the, the concept of studio musicians and people like the Wrecking Crew and that kind of thing? And the, what is it, the Furious Funk Brothers for, that yeah. played with Motown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you aware of that kind of thing, or were you just in it for the... Did, when when you're when you're a kid and you're and you're wanting to play music, are you aware of the idea of a session musician? Yeah. I did not. I did not know. Quite honestly, not until a lot later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, almost embarrassingly so. You know, I think I remember hearing. I think the first thing I heard a long time ago when I was a kid that you know the monkeys, those monkeys records. Yeah. That's yeah. not them playing that music. Yeah. Right. Okay. I didn't know, and, and and this is way before the internet. You know, you have to, you have to you have to realize everyone has to realize before they you know uh, come to the conclusion that I'm a big dummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, just couldn't didn't do didn't it. know these things. You yeah. didn't know these things, and a lot of times on records they didn't list all the they didn't list all the players. No, they, they certainly didn't on Beatles records. No, no. Um, and I don't remember seeing you know old records with lists of all the musicians. It didn't happen until more like in the Later seventies, I think, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, eventually, I absolutely did find out about all that stuff and the Wrecking Crew and the Muscle Shoals and all all these great Funk Brothers. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, that that and, it's been it's been really cool the last few years to see these documentaries come out and kind of and yeah. give these guys the oh, props yeah. that they deserve. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it really, it, those those are so well deserved and needed and expressed because you know. The influence of these amazing musicians on those records. Yeah. So rec- the crew alone, come on. That is such a part <laughs> yeah. of it. Uh, I just saw one, that, and uh, of course the name's escaping me, but it's about the the Cashmere Stage Band. They were a high school funk band out of Texas. Oh. Fuck up! I forget the name of it though. God damn it! But um, it's really, I mean, this is like a it's a high school tower of power. 
Right. Wow. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I that that documentary on death, man. Yeah. That that Band one. Called that's death. still good. Oh, dude. That. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, oh, they were a, an all black metal band in the seventies. Yeah, and the yeah they they um, metal and punk. Yeah. And uh, recorded one record and then just sort of disappeared. But then. <laughs> Speaking of of metal bands, I I heard that it was a. An interview with uh, Derek Smalls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he uh, this cracked me up so much. He was talking about a near-death metal band. <laughs> Great as that. He has a. He, he has a. I just saw he has a record out, and it's it's all metal music. Smalls change. Yeah, yeah. About <laughs> about like his you know his hip going out and yeah. and what it's like to rock with bad knees or whatever. Yeah. That is absolutely I, I was asked to, to actually do that a little, Did you? A little tour. Oh I, my god. I wasn't able to do it because of other commitments, but it would have been really fun. Yeah. Another another great friend of mine, an amazing musician Mark Benia. Uh-huh. Uh did it and asked asked me to to do along with him, but uh, I wasn't able to unfortunately. What is the difference between you know, trying to write songs and trying to write music for a band, and then actually composing um, uh, scores for films. How is it different? What's the process like? Uh, well, I can tell you one thing: one you get, you don't get paid, and the other one you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'll, 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 I'll kind of uh, go back to your earlier question, so it'll give you a better perspective of. How and why I'm able to do this? When I uh, when I uh, moved to Los Angeles 22 years ago, um, I started working or as a session guitar player for a, a company that wrote jingles for commercials. And uh, I started. They started me just coming in and playing as a session musician. But they, you know, I had some. Uh, I, I'd written a song with Brett Bourgeois in, in Bourgeois Tag that was a fairly sizable hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, enough to get us on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Top of the Pops and American Bandstand and all that stuff. So, right. you know, so I think some people knew that I that I was a that I was a writer of music as uh, as well as being a guitar player. And so they asked me if I wanted to try my hand in writing some some of these. They'd, they'd been awarded some, uh, you know, clients like uh, Reebok and Nike and Cadillac and things like that. So. I started writing for this company and uh, started getting started getting awarded these these uh, these spots. And that was my first time of working to picture, and I, and I just liked it right away. I just, you know, I've always liked movies, always liked tel- great television, mm-hmm. and I, I liked the process of making music to the visual medium. So that was that was my baby step of getting into it. Gotcha. And after the difference, okay, um, to get to your question, the difference. Well, you know, with, with music, music is the entire picture. I mean, that's everything. You can close your eyes and there it is. You can listen to it without any other uh, stimuli. But with uh, with music to the visual medium, you know, you're you're working with dialogue or scenery. Uh, you're working with subtext. The, the, there's a lot of uh, other kind of layers that you that you don't that you don't think of when you're when you're just writing music to be music. Sure. Uh, it's about you know you have to learn how to work with emotional tone mm-hmm. uh, and convey convey feeling s- specific feeling 
Right. Well, and that's well, just from experience. You know, yeah. just comes from just having, just doing it, sure. and then listening to what other people do. So, when when I started doing that, I actually took a uh, well, a couple things. I took an orchestration class at UCLA, and I learned a lot about orchestration, um, which which was really helpful because I was starting to work with samplers and doing orchestral things just to kind of help my commercials sound bigger and 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 and, and in more of that kind of world. Right. Well, and, and talking about the differences, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm if I'm playing in a band, I'm I'm primarily worried about my part, right? I'm worried about my guitar part, I'm you know my bass part, whatever whatever my instrument is. Whereas when you're composing, you're actually writing the music for all of it. You're not worried about just your part, right? It really does take you outside of your, you, you know, where your lane is. You know, you think your lane is your whatever your instrument is. Right. But then you start to see your guitar is just a little, it's just a part of it. Or not even a part of it at all. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff where it has zero guitar in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, another biggest difference is that there's usually no singing <laughs> in scores. Sure. You know, that they, they, they'll, they'll use, they'll license songs, but as a composer, there's no lyrics, so... You know, again, I was always writing instrumental music the whole time. You know, I was writing some uh, lyrics with, but I was never very good at it. And it was something I, oh, I, I hear you. really that uh, I was just always into writing music, uh, you know, music uh, more like instrumental beds and yeah. See, I I do books. I write books, no problem. Poetry, mm. forget it. Yeah, forget it. It's so lame. It's so lame. It's so easy to do. I did it once for a magazine. For a magazine that I worked for, and I gave it to my wife to read, and she read it, and she handed it back, and she goes, Promise me you'll never do anything like this ever again. (laughs) But I would would think also part of it is what did uh, Elmer Bernstein talk about music for when the fish swims by? You know, you're, you're having to hit certain. Beats right. within the scene, and also make you're, it sound organic within the. You're music. creating music to fit the picture, yeah, as opposed to yeah. You know, a lot of times the best score is music you don't hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just it, you don't really notice it that much because as soon as you start to really notice it, then it takes you out of the movie. Yeah. Now you know I'm trained. I train myself to listen very intently all the time um, when I when I when I see a movie or whatever it is, you know, I'm mm-hmm. watching, because I want to hear what people are doing. <laughs> but uh, the best score is the stuff that's really seamless. Right. Yeah. One of my big disappointments, I, I just heard the score to A Quiet Place, and my, one yeah. of my big disappointments is that it wasn't, it, more, it, it existed at all. It wasn't more quiet. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought that movie would have been wild without any 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 score in well, that's, you know, Oh, that's, yeah, that must have been really wild to watch, you know, as they were editing it. Yeah. One of my favorite one of my favorite things in film is like when you when you have a really lush um, score, really lush uh, uh, background, you know, be, and then for a particular scene, it all drops away to something else, yeah. to nothing, to, to, yeah, to no, yeah. like you know. Uh, well, we we just talked to a guy who uh, last week who cuts trailer films for Lionsgate. Right. And we talked about those cliches, that sort of bomb yeah. that is so prevalent now. Are there trends in scores, do you think, or is do you hopefully not fall victim to that? 
Um, yeah, there there are trends, but the, it takes a lot longer to see them. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen to listen, I mean, listen to music in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, right. You're not going to hear any. You're not going to hear much saxophone <laughs> in, in modern scores. You know, unless it's part of an orchestral thing or it's like a decidedly jazz kind of score. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, that sort of L.A. sort of uh, jazz pop stuff. You know that. That was kind of a thing back in the '80s. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Musicians with in wearing um, suit coats pulled up to the elbow. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think there are pictures of me somewhere like that. Uh, <laughs> what in getting 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 into scoring? What was um, what was easier than you imagined it to be? Nothing. <laughs> and then the follow up question, of course, is what was harder? Everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's probably fine. well. You know, uh, a lot of in terms of you know whether things are easy or hard really has to have to do with the people you work with mm. and how well they are able to articulate their feelings and their thoughts. Uh, whether they have an idea of what they want for their project, sometimes. You work with real uh, people are very articulate and astute about music, and then other times they say, "I don't really know music. I don't really, you know, you're gonna have to give me a lot of help here." Um, and they don't have to know about music. You know, you you, you basically just want to convey feeling, mm. and you know that's all they that all that's all that needs to happen. You know, the, what do you want from the scene? Blah blah blah. Then, then it's just a matter of of of, of trying some things. Now, some people will want to hear fifteen things so they can decide which one they like best. That's not a very productive way to proceed, but that happens sometimes, right? Because they're not sure. What always amazes me is how 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 quickly you have to work. You know, you think about um, you know you think about a classic classical composer. You know, they worked sometimes for years mm-hmm. on a piece. You know, that's right. And then, yeah. But with a movie, it's like, well, first of all, it, most of the movie's probably done by the time you get it. Is that correct? There's usually a uh, a pretty tight cut of it. You know, maybe maybe the Films twenty minutes too long or sure. twenty five minutes too long, but the, uh, sometimes but, not. Sometimes it's down down to you know close to where it's supposed to be by five minutes or so. It just it really depends. Sure, but you, but the train has already started, and we've got okay. The, we're releasing this film on this and this date. Yeah. Oh yeah. You've got to, You've got to write all of it. All the everything mm-hmm. in in. Enough time for this for it to get cut in and for it to get released. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, sometimes they bring you in fairly early in the process. Uh, sometimes they you're at the tail end, or there's sometimes where they they work with a composer and it's not working out, and then they get someone else in, and then then you're really uh, uh, strapped for time. Wow. Do you um, do you bank music? Are you are you you know like you know something occurs to you you write it down, and it's just kind of sitting in a drawer, 
and then you know you'll get a project and you go, oh, th- I I think I, I have something. Yeah, I can harvest. Does that ever happen for you? That's very very rare because usually what happens when you go when you start a project, it's like you visited another country, you know, and it's like you're going to write different music because because it's a different country or it's a different sure. you know it's a different. Uh, kind of movie or the characters are different the story's different the feel is different the sound is different mm. they usually try to create a sound uh, like I, sometimes I visualize it as like casting a band like you cast a movie for the particular for the for the, the, the characters the right person to play each part same thing with music for me it's like uh, if it's if it's a non-orchestral thing for example like well if it's got drums well what kind of drums is it what kind of drummer what mm-hmm. kind of sound? You know what I mean. So, so, so usually, by the time I finish a project, that music is kind of just—it's—it's it's for that project only. Now, every once in a while, they will—they'll—well, uh, they, quite frequently, they, they temp your music into a movie, your own music, and they'll—they'll—we really like this cue, but it's our—it's in another movie, and sometimes they'll say, "Well, we—we—I'll try to do something that—that's kind of like it, but with different sounds and." Like it, even though it's different, we're just going to license it, mm. which is fine too. How um, so? Every how, once in a while, something that you use will will end up in other places or in other movies. Actually, yeah. What about the flip of that, where you you come on? For example, in 2016, you did the score to Bad Santa 2, but yeah. there was a Bad Santa, and that had certain themes and 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 pieces that. Are, they're not iconic in the way, like let's say the Jurassic Park theme is. Right, but, right. But they're there. I mean, are are those just considerations that you can either use uh, or employ uh, or discard? You know, in a, a movie like that, there's there's no reference, to, okay. reverence, I should say, <laughs> to a score to a movie like that. Now, yeah. okay, Star Wars. That's a that's a different story. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Of course, be, you know the music is as iconic as the as the film itself. You would be beholden uh, to a movie like you know uh, a sequel to Bad Santa. Then there's really no there's, there's, there's no that feel, no none of that feeling like well we've got to use these themes or yeah it's canon. People people <laughs> so, yeah, I've done, yeah. I've done a couple. I guess I've done I did well I did another movie last year called Overboard, which was another right. it was a remake was yes. a sequel right uh, yes. but similar you know it was uh, we didn't. It's a great score, by the way. I, oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. I remember you were really excited. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's really true. I love the... I wanted to ask you about... that sort of turn, um, is related to the overboard thing. And that is the first forays made and dinner for five. That be, Did oh, that yeah. begin a, a relationship with Favreau that continued on through, for example, Chef in 2014? Yeah, well, my, my first... My first movie was made. Mm-hmm. Sorry, was the movie called Made? <laughs> <laughs> For all your listeners that might be confused. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a movie called Made. It was John's second film. The first one he did was called Swingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I now the reason I got involved in that was because I was working on a record. Um, there was a Bay Area producer that moved down here that hired me to play on. A record uh, with a group, and one of the guys in the band, one of the, the main songwriters, we hit it off, and then I ended up working, having bringing this uh, this musician, and his, his name was John O'Brien, 
to bring him in to do some commercial stuff. He was a, re- a re- really good programmer and just an all-around good musician, so I brought him in to do some stuff with me, and then he brought me in to Made because he is uh, was fans with, I, I keep saying was because unfortunately he passed away, oh. um, but uh, he was good friends with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, and they're buddies, and so they asked their buddy to do this film, and I guess John uh, felt that the scope of the film might require having him bring another person in to do it, and so mm. that's how I got involved in that, and that was my foray foray into the world of Favreau. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. But you can you can hear it the stepping the the Django Reinhardt in the dinner. Yeah, party. he was a big fan, and so that was all that was all his idea. Like, you wanted can you do like a Django thing? I'm like, heck yeah. Heck yeah. How is it helpful, like with people like Favreau? Like, he's a DJ. I, I want to say. Um, something mu- musically related. Is that helpful? Uh, it's extremely helpful when someone knows what they want. Uh, um, and he's, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. He's just a, uh, just a very nice person that, yeah. and a huge talent. And, uh, I, you know, I saw it back, way back then, and now look at him. You know, I know. Right, right. He's right, killing right. it. And now yeah. he's taking over some giant... Um, project for TV, I hear that yeah. is completely coming around in my head. I wanted to uh, before we we move on. I know we're going to talk about some specific projects and stuff that Lyle's worked on. I wanted to ask everybody here: Can you think of the first time that you watched a movie and the and you 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 paid attention to the score? You know the the, the 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 music was doing something, and you were like, "Oh, oh!" Mm. Can you think of one? That's an easy one for me. Okay, oh, here we go. You guys standing up? You guys sitting down? Yeah, yeah. Okay, stand up. All right. Here we go. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. one. Yeah. It was huge, man, and, and the, yeah. the, the choices. And made. all just, you know, public domain. Well, that's uh, classical music. Nothing was scored. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 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 it's just the impact that it had in that movie was just, oh wow. It was fantastic. It, you know, and, yeah. and that that was. I, I, we'll we'll answer our question, but it, that le- led me to another question that I had, and that was, how fun is it to do the soundtrack for a film, uh, as opposed to making the score for a film? You you've done uh, soundtracks on films that you've also scored. So you're are you you're, talking about writing song the, the the songs? Yeah. No, so, I'm talking about curating existing songs that go in the movie. The Tarantino model, right? right you know where it's like oh, oh yeah 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 yeah. I have to imagine that's a blast. That's the sound. That's the uh, music supervisor's domain. Mm. To find all of the songs and put them in movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would think so too. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to say Psycho. That's an easy one. Just Psycho. It, it, oh, Psycho! Was, yeah, that's another. You know, that's a great example. I was super young when I first heard it, and and it was yeah. like because the music, those strings, sound like a knife. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't and have you, to know anything about classical music. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but to make that sound, you know, Jaws was another great one. Mm-hmm. You know, another. Yeah. Very simple. Uh, the first one for me was uh, the 1933 King Kong. 
You knew it had to be Kinger. Yeah. yeah, Max Steiner. Max Steiner was one of the first guys that like wrote, uh, uh, composed the music to match the picture. So when That's you have right. Noble Johnson walking down the steps, yeah. you actually have the notes going grunk. Yeah. You know, matching the action that's going on screen. Yeah, I mean, he, he and a few others really set the stage. Yeah, for how to do it, you know. Tell me about working uh, working with Apatow, because there was a big stretch here where you were you did Forty Year Old Virgin, Super Bad, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and then mm-hmm. later you did Crashing, which is a great show that I wish more people more would people, watch. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm about to, we're about to start our third season. Well, they're, they're started, they're well into it, but I, I, I'm going to begin mm. res- resuming work on that pretty soon, the third season. And then Love was another one, right. another Jet production that, that, uh, it was three, three scenes of that too that uh, ran its course. Mm-hmm. But it's still on Netflix. That was yeah. really fun. He's a guy it. that engenders such loyalty in the people that he works with. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's been a lot of years now. I mean, I think my, the first thing I did for with Judd was was uh, some additional music for um, Kicking and Screaming, but but he didn't bring me into that. It was a, to another connection. But the the they, Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Forty Year Virgin was two thousand and four, I believe. Yeah, IMDb listed as two thousand five. Years uh, of. Uh, yeah stuff off and on with him so it's, it's been great I'm very you know I'm very uh, thankful and have so much gratitude he brought me in uh, when I was pretty much an unknown mm-hmm. and the success of that movie really did, it helped you know put me on the map right. and then from there to Superbad which was even a bigger film mm-hmm. which is the one I did right after that you know it was a situation like before Forty-year-old virgin. I couldn't get arrested. I tried to get a film agent. You know, the only thing I had was made. Uh, mm-hmm. Was the movie made? I should say. Right. <laughs> and uh, met with some people. No one was interested. Soon as that, you know, right after forty-year-old virgin, everybody wanted. I mean, every single agency in, in Los Angeles were contacting me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, uh, that's a good position. Yeah. To be in. Yeah. I'm also curious. You worked with uh, Neil Brennan. Oh yeah. Neil's the goods. Yeah. Neil's great. His, He's a his, yeah, huge talent, super funny. He has a, a Netflix special called Three Mics. That's really, yeah, it's really good. Really, 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 really brilliant. Uh, and then tell me about getting the get getting to the Greek. Well, now that that particular movie is a is a bit unusual, uh, a little bit of a uh, a one off in a way. Is that because there were a lot of songs that mm. needed to be produced, rec- recorded, and produced. That were, you know, we didn't. They didn't have outside songs. You know, there wasn't there wasn't songs by the artists. It was all songs by uh, the fictional band uh, Infant Sorrow. To yeah. To get to it. And so, a bunch of writers, songwriters, were were in their caves writing songs for the movie. Uh, you know, we had uh, Jarvis Conker from, from uh, Blur. Is it Blur or Pulp? I, I get those confused sometimes. <laughs> um, we had uh, Carl Barat from the Libertines. We had uh, these two guys, great songwriters here in L.A., Dan, Dan Byrne and Mike Viola. Uh, and then I wrote a couple things with Jason Siegel. 
um, since he uh, wrote the movie. Yeah. Um, he, and, he, um, you know, so so we did something, you know, upwards of 20 songs uh, that, that were designed to be legitimate, not joke songs, but no, the, these had to be songs that were apparently good enough to make the character of Aldous know, you know, world famous mm-hmm. as a rock star. So the, 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 uh, the standards were very high. And so instead of working on the movie two months or three months, I was on that movie for eight months. Wow. Because of all the songs that needed to be, because of all the songs. Right. But it was a great experience. I, I, I have to say, uh, Rob, uh, Russell Brand is, a, is a, an amazing human being. Did you have anything to do? I know Jason Siegel did a lot of the work on the end of the play. The musical? No, I didn't do. I had that was one thing. I had nothing to do with that that Dracula musical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was already sussed out, and it was filmed, so that was before they brought me on board. Wow. All right. Yeah, I wish I could say yes because it was so good, but no, I, I wasn't part of that. Um, I'm interested on a personal level. I you worked on a film, The Green Girl, about actress Susan Oliver. She was the green mm. girl in Star in Trek. Star Trek. Um. How, is that, that was just really a, a, a family thing. My my wife's great aunt was Susan Oliver. Really? Wow. And, yeah, and in contacting uh, Susan Oliver's extended family, my wife was contacted. You know, she they they got he, the director got in touch with her, and she was like, "Hey, by the way, my husband's course film." Had a girl. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking agent. <laughs> I, you know, I just basically donated my services. They didn't have any money yeah. to do it. But that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. It's um, a cool project. Yeah. And were you at all on on set for Stand Up Guys? Uh, Pacino, Walken, and Alan Arkin. Right. I just wanted to... Yeah, you know, uh, 9.5 out of 10 times, I'm never on the set. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'd be on the set is because there's something that involves music okay. that they need help with, or there's gonna, they're filming a scene, or they want me to be there to help someone sing. If, or in the case of uh, Yes Man with Jim Carrey, he had to play guitar in a scene, so I had to teach Jim Carrey how to play guitar. Oh, cool! Was he a and good so, student? And in, in the case, also in the case of uh, 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 Get Him with the Greek, was lots of singing. Mm. With Russell Brand, so I had to be I had to be there for all those those places where he sang. Yeah, give him ro- give him Rockstar one on one. Yeah, so I I went past your question about uh, stand up guys. Yeah, I, no, unfortunately, I you know I got to meet him at the uh, the premiere, oh, and I, that was great, just yeah. shaking. Yeah, because uh, it's you know, their icons. Hand, yeah, the pleasure and uh, Christopher Walken. Um, tell me about uh, uh, Overboard is the latest thing that you that that's been released, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are you working on a lot of stuff um, now for for the future? Is there anything you can, we can talk about? Well, going into season three of Crashing, going into uh, uh, the second season. I just finished the second season of another show I do called The Bolt Type. Which is on ABC Freeform mm-hmm. uh, cable channel, and then I have another. I have a network show. It's on Channel Four called, uh, or sorry, NBC. Uh, it's 
called Good Girls. Okay. And uh, so a lot of yeah. a lot of TV work right now. Yeah, it's been it's been more TV work the last couple of years. TV's huge. Yeah. Reason. Tom and I keep talking about how some of the best filmmaking happening now is on television. Yeah. There's no stigma anymore, you know, with with it being with television being the, a couple rungs down on the ladder. Yeah. I mean, every you know, all your uh, very successful composers are doing TV now, no problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, you know, check cashes. Right. That's yeah. Right. I mean, it's 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 you know, so it's it's work that continues if it's, it has multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of things I do like about TV. What I like better about I like the spectacle of a film. I like the big screen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, I love that that experience of going to see a movie that you worked on with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a theater. Sure. The theater. The am I correct in assuming that the audio palette is broader with film? Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, not. Especially, you know, if you look at Breaking Bad or any number of, of, of great series, you know, people are doing great, great, uh, you know, creative, distinctive work in television mm-hmm. or streaming, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, equal to what's happening in film. Mm-hmm. Easily. So I'm curious about um, the, what I'm going to call the spark of creation, like, when you are you sign on to something like is there a moment where you you get it like i got i got not only the the palette but also the the you know how the that tone it, yeah it should should have a, a a latin feel or or what have you like is there a is do you have is your life filled with eureka moments like that uh yeah uh, usually at first it's pretty frightening I have to be honest and I find this kind of trauma with a lot of composers like what am I going to do now <laughs> you know because it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a clean slate it's like I'm starting from scratch you've got to figure out what the sound of the of the movie or show is um, you know sometimes you get really sometimes it's, it's a no brainer in the case of Superbad it was a no brainer because the music they attempt in mm-hmm. the temporary music was all you know, funk music and R&B from the 70s. Mm. And it worked so well, like there was no there was no reason to, f- to mess with it. Mm-hmm. It was perfect as it was. So that was kind of a no-brainer, but that's very rare. Most of the time you're like, okay, what do we want? What do we want it, this thing to sound like? And uh, sometimes you have an idea and you try it and it sticks right away, and sometimes you, you have to try a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. How often does it happen that a director comes to you and says, "This is what I was thinking"? Very rare. Mm. Really, they kind of just—that's man, that's an anomaly in Hollywood now, where it's like, "Hey, we hired you because you're good at this art. Do your art." That used to be the case for a lot of things, and now anymore, you know, it's a—that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of times they'll be they'll they'll be. You know, like I said, in the temporary music that they put in, just to kind of get the feel for where music should be, right? Which happens before I'm involved at all, and I'm I'm not even in that process. Um, 
Um, there may be a few things that that might help you in the right direction, and then it's just a matter of just figuring out how to make something to service the whole movie, so it's not like a bunch of different sounding pieces of music everywhere. There's an overall theme, right? Right. Right. right yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, in the or you know, in a way, for me, the, in the orchestral do domain, it's, it's almost easier. Because you you know what the sound is going to be. I mean, you, there's a lot. Of course, there's so many things you could do with orchestral music. It'd be silly for me not to to, to to omit that. But if it's not orchestral, then it's, you know, for me, it's a little bit more more of a, a harder nut to crack. Mm, right. Like, how do you As make the choice? Than what 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 is the instrumentation? Right. Right. I always uh, wondered, like you know, like the. Uh, the 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 scores that I tend to like are ones that are uh they they they're not just background noise they're they're you know they're they're as important as you know like two thousand one for example the music is yeah. as important as the picture um, yeah sure and I've always wondered like how do you how do you come up with the idea to do um, like the music for the score for Badlands mm -hmm. you know that uh, that yeah, you know marimba. You know, right? Okay, well, how do you and, and in the cases when it doesn't work, the one that always comes to mind for me is Toto's score for Dune. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horribly misguided. Yeah, um, it's just a weird. But a lot of that film is horribly misguided. Well, that uh, I think that that I think that happens whenever you got a filmmaker who's like, I like these guys. <laughs> I'm gonna put them in the movie. Because when I think Dune, I think Toto. Um, <laughs> where, where can people find you online? Uh, to, to keep well, I have I have Facebook presence. I have a you know like a musician page. Mm -hmm. I used to have a website, but I I just I, I I was not good at keeping it updated, and yeah, I just don't need a website anymore. I don't think you know. Right, right. I find um, that's more and more the case that like people are using social media platforms more than they are websites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little more you know it's, it's way more interactive. Yeah, more immediate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right on. And then, you know, the music you could find just going mm -hmm. to iTunes, a number of, either my own, either my own music or, whether, whether it be my own personal yeah. music or score. So on, the per, on the solo stuff, look for Purple Passages, Tabula Rasa, or Harmonic Crusader. All right, thank you, buddy. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Yeah. That's for the you know the the adventurous <laughs> listener. Oh, they they I I love your those, those records are. I challenge all your listeners to be adventurous. Yeah, absolutely. And I do report too. back to me, please. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 great records. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. it was great yeah, to catch up pleasure. with you. Thank you so much for thinking of me and having me on. It's been oh, great. Oh no, it's this is awesome. We're going. You have to let me know how I can how I can find it. I will tell you. We're like we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. So we'll be back in a second. We're just going to take a break and uh, we'll be back with some news and stuff. Hang tight. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Uh, much like last week's show, I think this was a good show in that it, it 
gives people a glimpse into something that they're aware of when they're watching a movie but maybe didn't know how the sausage was made. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, that's kind of, I think it's great that we we get these guys that they're able to come on and go. Shed some light. Like, I would have thought that, like, in all cases, the film composer would be brought on initially. Like, here's what we're doing. Now go away and write some music. And yeah. I mean, they come, reconvene. But to hear, like, you're literally handed an almost finished film is yeah. bananas. And now you've got t- yeah. two months. Two, two months to two months to basically write, you know, the equivalent of a, 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 a classical piece. Yeah. You know. If it's orchestral, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So, moving on to second hour stuff. Uh, there's There's some stuff here. Uh, let's go. Uh, first up, Yvonne Blake, uh, as far as people who died. Um, she's a Spanish-born woman. She was an Oscar-winning costume designer. Nicholas and Alexander, the first Superman. Wow. And most importantly, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when that came out, like, it in and of itself was a big deal because of the, the fact that it was so weird in its construction. And, yeah, well, you know, and a lot of people... I, there was a lot of controversy. It, as as I don't think this happens so much anymore. But at the time, you made if you made a movie about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know you were you, you better were, look white. Yeah, you're you're, you're <laughs> under a micro uh, a magnifying glass. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Well, there was all that talk for years about like uh, there was a. I, I don't even know what they called it, but it's like with Tab Hunter. Tab Hunter played Jesus and died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like. Um, there's always been that thing that it's been has been in some cases a career killer. Jim Caviezel has not sure his career is not what it should have been. You know, it didn't kill anybody's career, but you remember all the protests whenever the Last Temptation of Christ came out. Oh, sure, oh, man, yeah, they were really mad. My, I remember my mom like hating Jesus Christ Superstar without knowing anything about yeah. it, just that it existed. She's like, she was one of those people that always kind of felt like. There shouldn't be any representation of Christ, right? You know, that, it, yeah, 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 I hear you. Although it's funny that a lot of those very same people went in droves to see Last Temptation, to, um, to see uh, Passion of the Christ, Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next, Gary Beach. He was an actor. He was in the Producers and La Caja Folle. Oh wow! Um, look him up. You will. Uh, You'll recognize, uh, recognize him, him yeah. in a big way. Uh, this one I heard about on a podcast. So there's the actor comedian Fred Willard. Yes. Fred Willard's wife Mary just recently. Um, Mary supposedly used to do a lot of improv groups and classes, and reportedly was funnier than Fred Willard. But um, they were out at dinner, and then she, when they got back to the house, they she was saying how she was tired, and she went up. To to bed and died. Wow! And I can't imagine, you know, fr- when when you have a couple that's been married a long time and sure. they're in an advanced state of age, you know, I'd hate to see something happen to Fred Willard. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. um, and then this is a kind of a weird one. Adrian Cronauer, the Good Morning Vietnam guy, yeah. not Robin Williams, but the guy that the movie was based, based on. on. There's that. And then finally, um, Shinobu Hashimoto, screenwriter of both Seven Samurai and Rashomon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Iconic. Big, big stuff there. He had to be really old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was in like 80, I want to say 89 or something like that. Sure. You kind of wonder about that. You know, when you're like 92, do you just like every day open your eyes slowly, like, 
Yeah, I made it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask my dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on to some news here. This is kind of interesting. Timothy Chalamet, if you know him, he was in the movie I, uh, um, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Um, is in talks to play Paul Atreides in Dune, in Dennis Villeneuve's Dune. Oh, okay. I'm in. Sure. He's a good actor. Yeah. You know, he's got a couple things coming out. He's in a new movie on Amazon with Steve Carell about mass. Huh. About a teenage boy that gets... Yeah. But the fact... Any news that they're moving the peg forward on Dune, yes. I will continue to put it on this list. <laughs> uh, Duncan Jones, um, director of Moon, right. and David Bowie's son. David Bowie's son. Adapting the um, uh, comic Rogue Trooper, which was a big deal in like the 80s, and it's very sort of Richard Corbin-esque kind of... Starship Trooper, kind of the Forever War, Heinlein, that kind of stuff. Okay. Sp- pair of sort of space military stuff. Um, Birds of Prey, the movie they're doing, Robbie, Margot Robbie is sort of shepherding. It's the Harley Quinn movie. Oh, yeah. They announced this week Black Canary Huntress, Cassandra Kane, who is a former Batgirl, and Renee Montoy, who acts as the question or the the birds. In the Birds of Prey. Oh, okay. Those are the characters. You couldn't yeah, care I, less. Yeah. <laughs> Here's something that you'll care about. Craig Nicotero has joined Bloomhouse's Spawn. Yeah. And that's badass. That That's cool. Then yeah. they announced that he and Shudder are getting together to do Creepshow. Yeah, as a, as a, as a series. As a series. Yeah. I'm in. Well, well totally. Yeah. yeah. It, that... Those properties are, are made for that guy. Yeah. It's 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 his home stomping ground. Yeah. He worked on the original. Yes, he did. Yeah. So, you know, I'm He's, in. You know, I I love there's there's this old documentary and I wanna say it was a Fangoria thing, it was called Scream Scream Greats. Scream Yeah. And yeah. and uh and, and the only one I ever saw, and maybe it was the only one that was ever made, there I don't was. know, it was was Tom Savini. The Savini one, yeah. And you see this like seventeen year old Greg Nicotero just being all puppy dog to, to Tom yeah. Savini. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very cool. Uh let's see. Um this is apropos of nothing. I just read it someplace. Did you think Kevin Smith was offered to re to write a reboot of Cujo? This is weird. <laughs> Again, so, Mad Libs. So bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, but I just imagine See, I, like a, a solo shot of the dog, like, talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed seemed weird when I read it. Um, Hulu had snagged Dan Rice's The Vampire Chronicles. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I, yeah. They're they're smart. They're grabbing. They grab that. They grab Castle Rock. Yeah, I I am really looking forward. To it. Castle Rock should be any time now. Any time right? now. Yeah. yeah. It Mark's cool. Mark Bernardin worked on Castle Rock. Yeah. And yeah. Um, an LGBTQ Batwoman series is coming from the CW. They're looking for an actress to play her now. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Batgirl or Batwoman. Uh, in the comics, was gay, and okay. and um, they're going to do it in a series. Sure, for the CW. A hero for the new millennium. We're going to get to some the trailer in a minute, but the new Aquaman poster 
is cool, I guess. Um, it was a me. It's a, it's a picture of him underwater looking at you, and there's all these fish behind him. Yeah. Immediately, the internet got a hold of it and doctored the photo so that it now looks like there's all this trash in the ocean. <laughs> very astute and very apt. But yeah, um, that was kind of just released. And then in London, they erected a 25 foot reclining <laughs> Jeff Goldblum statue from, from uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. My wife and I last night, is, as I was putting her to bed, uh, we watched Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Goldblum is so weird in that movie. He, he is so... Dude. He's purring <laughs> in the corner for no reason at all. <laughs> it's so weird. And like a, he's blatantly hitting on this guy's girl right, right. in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, so strange. It was. It's funny that he became, you know, in Jurassic Park 2... Yeah. Now he's a dad, yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. A, and and, uh, and then in Forbidden World or whatever, Fallen World, Fallen Kingdom, yeah, he shows up as the austere talking head, like yes, he's the exactly. voice of like he's the voice of reason, academia. <laughs> and then, I, then you go back to Jurassic Park, and he's in the corner going, <laughs> so weird. Uh, new James Wan, new killer doll movie called Megan M. 3-G-A-N. I hate it already. Yeah. Don't get cute <laughs> with that. Like, don't, don't do that. I mean, anyway. Uh, foot, I, on my Facebook feed, I posted footage of Snoop boxing and do, Snoop Dogg do, boxing and doing M- MMA. And he's, and it's not nearly as terrible as you think it would be. Sure. But, with that big reach, he's wide open. Like I kept yeah. thinking, like this guy is just turtling up and he's letting him punch on him. But it's like, come on, Snoop. that's like all those guys, right? Have you seen the footage of Selena Gomez, n- not quote unquote air quotes, knocking out Sylvester Stallone? They were no, boxing. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's I every bet, bit as stupid. I'm not gonna watch that. It's every <laughs> bit as stupid as you would imagine. <laughs> Let's see. American Horror Story announced their new season. Called American Horror Story Apocalypse. Apoc- yeah, and it's got a, a great poster where it's like this 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 black, long fingered talon hand uh. that's like uh, positioned over this baby. Yeah, that's like coming out of like you know red and blood. I am assuming you know. And so I it just I have no idea what it's about. I I figure it's got something to do with the current political climate. I figure it's got something to do with um, maybe a, a, a an omen type mm-hmm. thing. I, you know, I don't. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? That guy, well, that guy could yeah. be anything. Poster's cool. Um, Netflix has ordered a Z Nation spinoff called Black Summer. Good. Cool. It's shot around here. Some of our very friends work on yeah. that. Yeah, a lot of our friends say, yeah, they run over to Spokane and and work on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's nice that it's. Got yeah, some legs. Absolutely. They premiered a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk to someone next week, I think. Um, really, a short bit. Heather Sturbiak, I think we're going to talk to her about San Diego Comic Con. Right. And there was a lot of talk um, about that. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, moving on to the next thing Roseanne had her show. Right. Then said something stupid. Lost her show, right? And then wrote a, a press release about her contrition. Well, this week she went on YouTube, and it's something. She's 
Her hair is mussy. She's smoking, and it's just unhinged. It's her saying essentially that, like, taking it all back, like going back to her original statement. And it's uh, she blames the her being fired because she supported Trump. And it's something to watch. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm it's never going to watch this. Never watching that. Uh, and then finally, um, they they let slip that Shane Black's The Predator is going to feature female predators. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah. Representation matters, yeah, even yeah. if you're a predator. That's right. <laughs> moving on to... I mean, we got the queen alien. I know, right? So. Uh, moving on to trailers. This week was all pretty much San Diego Comic-Con. Right. And these are all of these are fairly giant tentpole pictures. So we'll go through them one at a time. Okay. Number one, Aquaman. Aquaman. Um, parts of it look, you know, much like Avatar, that type of thing, look pretty. There's mm -hmm. a whole lot of CGI shit going on. All um, the underwater stuff is... I... I, I you know, it leaves me cold. It's... it's it, Essentially, what it looks to me like, it's... It's Thor. Except yeah. in, except except it's for underwater. Asgard, it's it's underwater. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, well, it's full of there, it. Do, it does have some cliches where it's like you're our chosen king. Right. I'm no king. All right, you returned. Um, the whole time I'm watching it, I just keep thinking like, wow, he looks great there. Yeah, he looks great there. Yeah, you know, and well, that it, uh, Jennifer was like, you know, I, I'm going to go watch that just to. Just to look at Jason Momoa, but yeah. the rest of it looks pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks about what you'd expect. But my, it, my favorite shot from the entire trailer is him punching a sword and breaking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought it looks it looks fine considering that it's James Wan and that could have gone yeah. anyway. Um, it doesn't look terrible. We'll, we'll talk about this in more detail later, but it does look like DC is trying to. Uh, insert a little humor into yeah. their time. Trying to make it a little hipper, yeah. a little funner. Yeah. Uh, up next, um, a horror film called The Capture. I included this. It's low budget. I included it because um, it's a great premise. It is a great premise. Man, it looks boring. Does it really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like, I was bored watching the trailer. It was just, you know, people talking. Screaming what, and yelling. What's, yeah, what's the cool premise? Um, the idea that in... In a sort of, for want of a better word, flatlinery uh, experiment, right. they capture some spirit in this body, and without this person, she's they give her the word of it. I forget what they call it, but it's part of the hierarchy of or the uh, uh, the bureaucracy of death. And right. if she's trapped in this body, then that bureaucracy goes away and it changes everything. Everything in the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I say shooter, but. That's not an hour and a half movie, right? Um, but again, you know, it's it's I I included it because uh, it one it wasn't a temple movie, right. and two it it was a little thinking outside the box. Sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, up next, tra the trailer for Fantastic Beasts two. There's uh, a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. I didn't see many Fantastic Beasts. Um, it looks like it's way more taking place in 
in the Harry Potter world that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I, you know, I mean, it looks fine. If, you, if you're a Harry Potter person, if you're... If yeah, you're, you already have your tickets. Yeah, you, yeah it is, this is going to be sure. right up your alley. Sure. It, it actually looks better to me than the first one. Agreed. It looks darker. Yeah. They're, they're kind of letting Johnny Depp be really creepy. Yeah. And um, uh, and he kind of does that on his own anymore. I yeah, think. these yeah, days yeah. he's <laughs> taking an edge. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of conversation going on. I guess he showed up at this weekend at San Diego Comic Con in costume, and the people were like, you know, didn't he beat up Amber Heard or something like that? Yeah, and there, there was a lot of it's a lot of baggage with him now. Yeah. yeah. Up next, uh, Glass, the sequel to Split, sequel to Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Um, I Unbreakable is I, I've said time and time again Unbreakable is my favorite superhero movie mm-hmm. precisely because it's not a superhero movie and I worry that that this it looks like this movie is starting to take it more into that traditional superhero movie mm-hmm. where you're going to have big fights and, and that kind of stuff um so I just, I, I mean, it looks fine. I, I, I haven't seen Split, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I dig it or not. But I, I love Unbreakable. Um, I think that it, it is, uh, uh, the, what made Unbreakable work is the uh, the audience themselves didn't know if these, this guy was a superhero. Right. So by nudging it, and now they, there's an intro of a, of a doctor saying you, these people think they're superheroes. Right. But clearly... Not, you know what I mean? Because yeah. there's, there's they exhibit behavior that's kind of superhero-y. Right. Um, the problem for me is that at the end of the day, it's an M Night Shyamalan movie, and we haven't had seen a good one of those since. Well, that's well, that's why I'm rooting for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, did you see Splint? No, my wife did. She enjoyed it. She really liked it. So maybe, maybe he has made a good. Maybe. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, here I am shitting on him for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got your attention. Next up, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Dude, Dude. all right, yeah. <laughs> so this looks badass. I, I, you know, I'm excited. It's that shot of him rising up and then blasting his yeah. radioactive breath into the air. That's well, there's a lot of it. There's such a thinly veiled hint that Ghidra is is in the film. Yeah, and you're like, oh god, and, and, and Mothra, Mothra, and Rodan, uh-huh. and that's where that's where I kind of go. Uh-oh. Uh oh! Yeah. Can we limit those? Yeah. Let's do one or two, and then right. call it a day. Let's just fight Gibra. And they bring back eleven. They or they bring in eleven from Stranger Things. Right. And Vera Farmiga as a scientist person, yeah. um, who's great. Just like the you know uh, this this particular Godzilla run, um, these two movies, um, I, I did a great job with. Their trailers. Mm-hmm. Remember that that first Godzilla trailer, man. When yeah, it's like we we're, we're getting the Oppenheimer quote. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's just these guys falling, you know. For, and this 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 trailer has a lot more going on, um, but it's set to. Um, is it Moonlight Sonata or was it something uh, like that? So, yeah, something like that. And it was like I like that whoever's doing that part of their marketing work is doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think the first Godzilla movie um, 
the trailer was better than the movie. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, this thing, you know, one side note on Vera Farmiga. There's a movie that you can find called Quid Pro Quo. Um, it's her. It's about people who fetishize the loss of limbs. Right, and yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, it is good. It's like that ghost limb. Yeah, documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's that, and it's it's really really good. Uh, let's see. Up next, the Keeping Hours. I, a Lee Pace stars in it, who played Ronan in uh, the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He played he played uh, Roy in uh, the Fall. Yeah, in the yeah. Fall as well. Previously discussed. Uh, this looks like a ghost story that has to do with um, a couple who loses their child and are given a chance to maybe have him back in you some weird when, way. When I first like for for like ten seconds when I first started seeing this, I'm like, is this the the new? Pet Cemetery. Mm. Um, it's not. Um, no, tills a lot of the same ground. Yeah, um, their their dead son is back somehow, but not like they can't touch him. Yeah, he's like uh, he's he's there. There, it's he's it's like he's a ghost, but mm. he's more than a ghost. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and looks it, slow. Looks it does look slow. It's a ghost story, yeah. so it's not going to be ga- you know hell's a pompin'. Right, right. So, but yeah, um, I know it's going to be good. Lee Pace is solid in, in everything. Yeah, he's and, a good actor. And yeah, so I'm in. Next up, documentary. If I leave here tomorrow, about Len- Leonard Skinner, and yeah. uh, it seems to focus mostly around the crash. Yeah, it's well, you know, there, there's actually footage of the crash mm-hmm. that's never been released before, and that's going to be in this. And it's you know it's it's talking about you know what happens when you're this iconic band and you lose more than one member at a time. Virtually the entire band, you know. uh, And it it and it also goes into like um, you know the 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 issue with them using the uh, Confederate flag Mm -hmm. and just and there's a. Basically, if you're a Skinner fan, you got to see this. Yeah, there was another documentary on them that was released a few years ago, but this looks way more um, personal. Personal, yeah. yeah. I'm totally in on this one, by the yeah. way. Uh, a few months ago, they released a documentary called RBG about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. And now we have a trailer for a film called On the Basis of Sex, which is, it's uh, Claire Foy from The Crown and Army Hammer. Right. Playing the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. And this looks great. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it looks real solid. The, the, the actors are great. Um, yeah. There's nothing not to see here. And I think at this point in time, yeah. It's, 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 it's perfect. Yeah. Whether or not people will, I think people will go see this where they didn't, haven't gone seen some of the other things like the Woody Harrelson LBJ movie, right? Because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 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 hot among millennials right. and that kind of thing. And she's still alive. And she's still yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Overlord, J.J. Abrams produced, looks like sort of a, you know what it reminded me of Iron Sky. Without the silliness, right? About um, Nazis and zombies and yeah, it's you know, and I'm anytime I'm all about weird war movies, right? Me too. Yeah, and uh, so I'm I'm on board. Um, the trailer, I was I found myself chuckling at the trailer because they they show you flashes, you know, of, of images from the movie, and then they just have these adjectives. It's like 
terrifying. Dude, <laughs> it's <laughs> or no, what is it? Terror, uh, fear, uh, and, and, and they're just and they keep doing it. And it's yeah. just like and it's not even like quotes or blurbs. It's not somebody saying this movie is scary. They're just like. You know, yeah. yelling in your face. Scary! <laughs> Scary! Monster! Look out behind you! Yeah. I want to. I say, I want to follow that yeah. model. Yeah, do something that's like, you know, apathy! Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Just random But this thing, the, the gore looks cool. Yeah, it's it, got, it did remind me of Iron Sky. It, it's got, uh... It's got good, cool effects. It, 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 they... they they're, I'm assuming they're in Germany. It's World War Two, mm-hmm. and they find an underground bunker lab place where German. Yeah. What was that House of Frankenstein kind of thing that they did? Oh, that was so that, that man. Was. I was so disappointed in that. What was that? Frankenstein's Army. That's what it was. Yeah, Frankenstein's that, Army. Because that started as this amazing premise, this amazing thing. Um, if you ever want to see it, look up worst case scenario trailers. Okay. Oh my God! If they had made that movie, that would have been amazing. And it was one of the very first big movies that was trying to get made through crowdfunding. Uh, right, I yeah. remember this. Yeah, yeah. Remember, there's like these these little kids out playing by the water in England, and then like you see little maggots falling on the ground, and then you yeah, look up, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. these these Nazi zombies <laughs> are floating over with what balloons. What is it about Nazi zombies? I don't know, but, but I mean, remember shockwaves? Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. It just <laughs> seems so weird that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Speaking of zombies. <laughs> Patient Zero, um, Doctor Who is a guy who can speak to zombies, and uh, <laughs> the guy who played Doctor Who, Matt Walsh, or whatever his name is, and then they encounter a zombie that is lucid, that they can actually speak with, and it's played by a, this character actor, I forget his name. It looks odd. This film looks odd, and if they pull it off, I'm kind of in. Quirky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's another um, viral yeah. zombie. We're trying like to find patient zero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On this thing. Yeah. 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 And I it, think it's Matt Smith. That's his yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who Matt Walsh is. But <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt Smith. Um, looks competently, act, competently acted. Everything looks great. It's just that it, the overall conceit of the thing just seems weird and yeah odd, but. All right, we're in. Well, that was one of the great things that made um, Return of the Living Dead great is that we we got to talk to a zombie. Yeah, and and who dropped a huge nugget of like, oh, yeah, that's such a great scene yeah. in that. But this guy, it's like essentially the argument is that we're not um, we're not de-evolution, we're evolution. Right. Um, so I am legend. Yeah, ain't that right? Yeah. Up next, uh, a finally a, f- a fuller, more comprehensive trailer on this Taron Egerton, Jamie Foxx, Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. It this looks like a Knight's Tale. Yeah, it looks terrible. Yeah, it just looks like a Knight's Tale. Like it looks like it. On paper, I'm sure that shit was cool, but on on the screen, it just looks cliche. I read the other day there are seven Robin Hood adaptations. Being made at, at or at why? various stages of production. Like why? I Who's don't know. For this? I don't, dude. 
there, I'm telling you, there's like some cabal or something that's like, hey man, we got to keep this, we got to keep making Robin Hood movies, we got to keep making Peter Pan movies. It's like this is an imperative. This has to happen. Yeah, I, 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 I this looks like Arrow. Yeah, the TV show Arrow, well, and, I, and 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 you know they already ruined the the big twist or the, the the spoiler in the trailer where we learn that Robin Hood is actually um, the sheriff. The sheriff he's of not Nottingham. though. Is well, he? he's either the sheriff or he's 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 uh, part of the aristocracy. Okay, yeah. And apparently he sees the shades of the hypocrisy Zorro. of that exactly. And yeah. he goes so on his off time he's out fighting for the little guy. Sure he is. And he's then Batman. he's back at the office, you know. Yeah, he's Batman. Yeah. All right. And then finally they drop the trailer for Shazam. All right. I so remember when the trailer for Rampage came out, and I was pissed off because these fuckers... You have to go see a shit I movie. gotta go see the, the yeah. fucking... God damn you guys. You, I, I want to see this superhero movie. Yeah. It uh, looks fun. It looks fun. Um, it's puddle deep. What's his... Uh, um, the guy from Chuck. Yeah. Um, Zachary know. Levi. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi doing his best Ryan Reynolds um, as... Yeah. As Shazam, I would almost say even closer to uh, the guy that played the Tick the first time. Oh, sure, completely oblivious to what he what he's possible, and very much reflective of the boy that he sprang right. from. Yeah, um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't know what his powers are. He, right, he doesn't know he's a superhero. But the weird thing is that through Shazam we get to one of the most vicious and powerful characters in our entire universe and that's the black, the proposed Black Adam thing that they're doing with The Rock mm-hmm. in a few years Yeah, but this just this makes Batman 66 look like a Tarantino film it's so scrubbed and sweet and yeah. like gremlins it's almost not, uh, it's not your usual DC yeah Fair, it's not yeah. super dark and no. Uh, by the way, speaking of Super Dark, they dropped the trailer for this Titans, and everyone was up in arms online because at one point it zooms in on a Robin, and, and one of the thugs goes, where's Batman? And it ratchets in on Robin, and he goes, fuck Batman, and he kicks all their asses, and everyone's like, fuck Batman, and their little heads exploded. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so that, yeah, uh, the Shazam, uh, yeah, I'm kind of in. As in as I am on something else I'm going to talk about in a second. I'm, I'm way more in on that than, you know, whatever the next... Uh, Fucking in. Even Infinity War 2. I'm more in on Shazam than I am on Infinity War 2. Yeah. Um, I Two things I forgot in the, in the news thing. Number one, you won't care about this, but Krypton, the second season, they're bringing in Lobo, which is a big deal in the DC Universe. And There's a first season? Yeah, yeah, and the whole premise is get this: it's Superman without Superman. It's on. It's set on Krypton before the Brainiac events. is involved. Yeah, before it implodes right. and whatever. Else. And then finally, I just thought that we take a second and talk about this thing with James Gunn. James Gunn, a really conservative right wing guy on Twitter, went into his uh, James Gunn Twitter feed and found. Some things, some jokes he made from ten years ago that had to do with pedophilia and rape. Right. Since then, Disney has fired him off of Guardians of the Galaxy three, 
which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It is so... Uh, <clears throat> and he, here's why. You couldn't get a spark happening with Guardians of the Galaxy until James Gunn got involved. Right. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Are you, who are you going to give this to now that's not going only, to get it? Not only that, but like... Look, you hired this guy to do this franchise. Did you not look at his past work? Yeah, he worked he's for not, Troma for yeah, years. He's not... You know, he's the kind of guy that is going to do a joke about... Yeah. Yeah. Know, and, and I just don't know, like... like do you deserve to lose... Don't get me wrong. I think the jokes were, were not very good, and they weren't particularly funny. Right. But do you deserve, for something you said a decade ago, to right. lose your entire career? Yeah. And even in the, in, did, even did, the, in the ensuing years... He didn't rape anybody. You championed years, it's like, exactly. the, cause, the Me Too cause and everything else. He seems to be taking it well. I hope Here's he, why I think he's taking it well. He knows. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, exactly. And if anything, he gets him out. It gets him out of that machine. What a great opportunity for a filmmaker to go. You know what? I'm gonna go make the films I always wanted. Right. Just fuck these guys. Exactly. Well, and, you know, and after Guardians of the Galaxy two, it it looks like you know you're you are working in this machine and you're just a little cog mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to you. You already did it with the second one. You got to stick to the formula. Look, we need cute group. We mm -hmm. need you know, and uh, and I just don't think James Gunn is that guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in general, I, I, as I said on Facebook, it's like I hate to think, you know, in the early days of the internet, when if someone looked back far enough on on any of us, yeah, you of course you said something stupid. Yeah. Should you be run up a pillory for it? Now don't get me wrong. If you if you cross that barrier and start touching people, well, if you start touching people or if you start talking bullshit like Roseanne was talking, um, that's different. That if you have questionable questionable um, humor, mm -hmm. I mean, good God, you know, like if 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 you can't tell a joke about really any subject, yeah, you know, there are some jokes that are terrible but, but, that's, but that's what makes them funny and it, you're doing it in uh, I, I just I get I, I get so I nuts get completely apoplectic yeah. on it the thing for me is like the thing about humor in general is is it funny if you're in a room of people at a comedy club and somebody tells a joke and you find it defensive and everyone else in the room laughs Maybe it's you. It's on you, right? Um, and maybe you should realize that that wasn't. Uh, I was just hearing a comic talk about how he had done jokes on all sorts of really heinous stuff, and then when he got around to one where this one woman, that was the thing that was her issue, right? She, he was like, "Wait a minute, you laughed at all that other stuff, and mm -hmm. that was okay. It's mm -hmm. every bit offensive as the one I say. So how about we just do a smorgasbord and say that's not for me? Right. I'm going to move on. Exactly." So, yeah. Uh, moving on to what we've been watching. What have you seen? Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, did I talk about the ritual last time? Uh, if not, I'll talk about it again. Go ahead. Uh, I, I've, this week I've watched nothing. It's all been work, sleep, bleeding him, work, sleep, bleeding him. I haven't read anything. I I have been listening. Nice. To... to New stuff. What have you been? Uh, uh, I saw the ritual on Netflix. Yeah, uh, very cool, very cliche. Cool fucking monster. Fucking monster is bad. Monster is very very cool. And yeah. I love how they portray something big moving through the forest. Yeah, 
uh, after that, it's just a collision of cliches sure. and everything else. And then my wife and I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you can imagine a beanbag chair-sized bag of cotton candy, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Completely un... Um, has no weight to it, but it's fun. And mm-hmm. while you're eating it, it's delicious and you're, you're enjoying it. Yeah. It's only when you walk out of there and go... Uh, there's a small after credit sequence that it sort of explains for everyone who had the burning question, who couldn't sleep, because where was Ant-Man in Infinity War? It explains it. Mm-hmm. But by and large, this is not important mm-hmm. listening or viewing, but it was fun. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you've been what, what you've been listening to, and then I'll go on to my shit, and we'll go. Um, I I've been I've, I've been going down a uh, uh, a drone metal. Uh, rabbit really? hole. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's you know, it's ambient music is really what it is. It's ambient music, but it's but it's metal ambient music, you know, and it's slow and it's plotting and and uh, it's beautiful. And 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 my favorite band, you know, in that that whole realm is Earth. Mm-hmm. I, I adore that band and what they do. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of that. Um, I checked out a, a, a new uh, Billy Gibbons. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a solo album that he's got coming out that where he returns to his blues roots. You know, his last solo album, the first solo album he did, Perfecto Mundo, mm-hmm. um, was more of a Cuban Afro. Weird, considering yeah. it's Billy Gibbons. Yeah, um, and uh, and this this new thing is uh, which I don't know the name of. It. The album's not out yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I've only heard one song. I heard one song too, and it's good. He's it's a great good. guitar player. Yeah. He was one of Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitar players. Yeah, him and Dick Dale, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff. So, well, what's weird about you go talking about met, drone metal is that like there's so many. You can find them on weird little labels like Roger Carmonic's um, Cold Meat Industry, yeah. where they're they're. Like the, I'm the guitar player for Emperor, but here's this completely ambient record that yeah. I made. That and in many cases, like it's bands like Raison d'Etre and, and those kind of things that are so good and they're so beautiful. Once you get your head around, yeah, this is a different thing. And you know, when yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there are several bands, and and some of them are more noise than mm-hmm. I might like you know and when they're on this playlist I just kind of skip over those guys give it a thumbs down yeah and then uh, the other stuff is just beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. you know it's just all power chords it has none of the bullshit you all know? sustained yeah, or just, yeah you know. well, well you know <laughs> Dylan Carson the, the dude from Earth um, the guy that uh, uh, In Bloom was about yeah um, the guy who bought Kurt Cobain the shotgun, with which he killed himself. Um, he 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 talks about like you know, if you listen to a note long enough, a sustained low note long enough, you start to hear changes, harmonic changes yeah. within that itself, and mm-hmm. then you kind of get lost. It's definitely stoner rock. I mean, sure, it's like sure. It, you know, you watch people headbang to this stuff. It takes them like. 30 seconds to get to the back and then boom their head forward <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's uh, it's beautiful stuff yeah. right on right on uh, let's see bunch of stuff here I'll, uh, let's try to get through a lot of it found a guy Isaiah Stewart he's a drummer yeah hard to find 
a bunch of records, Thrill Ride, Groove Garden, Summer Beat, Urban Playground, and Life Games. This shit is crazy good. Cool. It's fusion, big, fat, slappy bass to it. Uh-huh. It's good stuff. Found a record called Senor Coconut and His Orchestra. Yellow Fever, play the music of Yellow Magic Orchestra. It's this German guy, Uwe Schmidt, who plays Latin, electronic Latin music. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he runs the music of Yellow Mag- Magic, you know, Ryuichi Sakamoto and those guys right. through that filter. And what you get is a record of Yellow Magic Orchestra music, but it's it's as if Esquivel or Taco did it. Oh, wow. Yeah, really weird. Band called Hidden Citizens, I had found a record on, um, liked it, went deeper, not worth, not worth it. Afterlife, String Theory, I found a Hugo Montenegro record oh. called Other by Brothers, and it's, it's just cover songs of like, you know, um, Hits of the Day, you know, uh, Aquarius, but it's this wah, 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 yeah, yeah. Wah, kind of stuff. The score to Black Mirror, Archangel, got released. It's by Mark Isham. Mark Isham did tons of stuff. This is so full, um, all of that kind of stuff. It's quite good. There's a new Rick Astley. Yeah. You know Rick Astley, yeah. the Rick Roll guy? Yeah. The more I listened to it, the more I realized it's a pop record, but the songwriting, it's a country record. Huh. Like, the the structure of the songs is straight-up country. I enjoyed seeing him uh, live recently with the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Giorgio Moroder's back. They did the soundtrack to this USA thing called Queen of the South. Yeah. Um, it's odd. It feels like... It sounds like American Gigolo, Giorgio Moroder. Right. We're getting there. Marco Beltrani, I mentioned it to Lyle, A Quiet Place. Yeah. It's noise. It's complete noise, and I don't recommend it. Um, we talked about the movie Caliber last week, or the week before, about the two guys that go hunting and they inadvertently kill somebody. Right. That score by N. Nidigan is great. Cool. Getting, we're getting there. Mongo Santa Maria, Soul Bag. Everything I just said about Hugo Montenegro applies there. And then here are the big ones for the week. New Aldi Miola. Live, Elegant Gypsy and More Live. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Aldi Miola, right. and it's great. Um, uh, Stanley Clark has a new record out called The Message. Some of it is really good. Some of it is straight up pop, soul. Uh-huh. So find the good stuff. Uh, soundtrack to Sicario is okay. And then finally, Dweezil Zappa, a new record called Live in the Moment. Um, it's all, it's him further curating Frank's legacy, uh-huh. doing new versions of, he does a great version of, uh, Watermelon in Easter, in Easter Hay from Joe's Garage, mm-hmm. and, and it's something. And then finally, I'm going to throw out a couple of these that I'm not mentioning this or that, and say Big J Okerson has a record called I Promised Myself I Wouldn't Ask. It's an hour and a half of, or so of pure crowd work. So he's just talking to people in the crowd and goofing on them. And it's really funny stuff. Sorry, one more. Daniel Collar, Illusions of a Separate World. Imagine, if you know David Torn, the guitar player David Torn, Mark Isham. A lot of droney music with played in a really empty room. A lot of echo and and stuff. And it's really, really good. Cool. Um, Perfect to chill out. Awesome. And that's it. 
thanks again to Lyle Workman. Yeah. That, that was awesome. Next week, we got something good coming up. I'm not going to talk about it because I jinxed this too Jinx many times. <laughs> uh, please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash bonus material. Um, if you can sign up, and for even if it's, excuse me, for a dollar um, a month, Jesus, sorry. Um, it'll help us move the peg forward closer to getting all this new equipment that we're going to talk about. Make make the show better. Go to our Facebook page. Langley's got a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. Go there. Friend request us. Please go to Amazon. These are the these are the big plugs. Go to Amazon, please, and buy my books all under my name, Tom Carnell with a Tom with an H T H O M. And that's it. That's it. Anything else? No. Nope. Leaving him. Get ready. Get get ready. Months. This is this is uh, uh You're accepting features this time. Yeah, we're accepting some features and we've got additional spots at uh, at the second at, at the Pickford second location. Um we have there's there's gonna be music, there's gonna be nice drag show, there's It'll be fun. the whole thing is gonna be a blast. I, I and we're in a, a beautiful venue this year, so a yeah. lot of great vendors. It's going to be cool. Awesome. Good. Uh, so thanks again for listening uh, for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scared.